0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Those Who Inspire. Is this a theater podcast? Is this a motivational podcast? Is this an excuse for me to talk to artists that I've always wanted to talk to? Who's to say? My name is Emily Rose, and before we started today's episode, I just kind of wanted to check in with everyone. So, if you listened to my last episode, uh, which featured the amazing, amazing Sinead Prasad, I had such a great time talking to her. You may have noticed that my sound quality was not as good as it was in episode one and two, and that's because we had some absolutely insane technical difficulties. And as you can hear now, uh, those have been fixed, and the sound quality is a lot better now. Unfortunately, uh, the sound quality only got fixed after I had already recorded today's episode. Uh, so you know, audio quality on my end, uh, not not up to s- to snuff uh, this episode. But, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to thank everyone for sticking through. Uh, it's clearly going to get a lot better in the future. And, um, you know, I am glad that you stuck it through because I'm very, very excited about my guest today. Uh, she is a big rising name in the New York theater scene. Like literally anytime I have a friend who says, oh, have you heard about this show? Have you heard about this, this new concept piece? My guest is probably in it. You know her from shows like Alice by Heart. Octet and Moby Dick please join me in welcoming the absolutely insanely talented Kim Blank <laughs> <opf> There was a time <pad> one time <inaudible> sometime I walked through a forest forest. One time, some time The forest was beautiful My head was clean
1: and clear Alone without fear
0: The forest was safe
1: I danced
0: like a beautiful fool One time, some time twilight moon
2: smiling and winking mist across
1: my cheeks murmuring magic whispering soft soothing green oh my gosh thank you so much for that super touching intro i was i was giggling the whole time <laughs>
2: I mean every word of it. You're so great. And you're in everything. Every time my friend is like, have you heard this cast album? Have you heard this? There's Kim. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) That means so much to me. Um, Thank you so much. So happy to be here. And very lucky to have, have been able
2: to be a part of so many cool shows. So, I mean, first question that I always like to ask every single interview I do. How did you get into the business? And what was your kind of journey to discovering that you wanted to be an actor?
1: Sure. Um... I did theater in high school. I always, you know, really looked up to you know all the seniors when I was a freshman, um, and always kind of wanted to be like them, be them. Um, there was like a trifecta of, of of senior actors when I was a freshman. and I remember just like, yeah, wanting to just being so inspired by them and how they and how they just commanded presence and attention, and they were just so funny and also talented. Um, so I think in my quest to be like them, I started doing plays in high school and then did theater in college and, and then, you know, made my way through New York a little bit after college, um, made a lot of stuff with my friends and a lot of self-producing. Then I went away to, went away to grad school because I'm addicted to being a student. And then came back, and I continued to kind of make my way.
2: (laughs) I love it. So then, you know, you said you started in high school. So was that was high school theater your kind of first foray into acting, or had you started younger or singing-wise or anything like that? Yeah, I did.
1: I did choir when I was a kid, and that I think was like I didn't. I don't think I realized it at the time, but that was like my first love. I think just singing in a big group there's just nothing like it for me it's my I think my biggest love when it comes to performing um so I did choir as a kid you know you all had like wear the same thing (laughs) it was like very intense I still remember like the high necked kind of sky blue dress with the velour bow around the waist and like the white tights and the shiny shoes and So I did choir when I was young, and then um, I did a couple of musicals, I remember, in middle school that were so, so fun. They're like musicals written for middle schools to do. (laughs) Like The first one was called Pom Pom Zombies, which I would love to listen to the score to Pom Pom Zombies right now um, as an adult. (laughs) Um, The other one was called Flapper, and there was an exclamation point at the end. Flapper! I don't know. So I did those kind of like you know written for middle school shows, and then yeah, got back into it in high school. So I guess yeah, middle school. I guess I always kind of dabbled. You know, I took violin lessons as a kid. So performing has always been kind of in my in my blood and also in my extracurricular activities.
2: <laughs> That's what everyone always says. They're all. It's always the, <laughs> it starts with that one extracurricular, and then you just keep going and keep going and keep going and you don't
1: stop. Exactly. Never stop. Still here. Still not
2: stopping. Then, you you know, like you said, your more New York theater scene. So the first time I was introduced to Kim's work was Alice by Heart. My fave. God, I love it so much. I want it to come back Oh so bad. I will never forget my a friend of mine. His name is Tom Sircott. He's an amazing designer and like costume shop manager and stuff. And he, I, I came into his office one day and he was like, Emily, have you seen these pictures? Listen to this album. You need to do X, Y, and Z. This is amazing. And it is. And if you haven't listened to it, please get that album because it's so, so good. I'm just going to, this is just going to turn into an hour and a half of me gushing about Alice by heart, but so. <laughs> You know, how did you get involved with that? What was your... Because I know you were a... You weren't in the original
1: cast? That's right. Yeah. I was brought in to replace the incredible Nkeki, who um, uh, went off to the West End, if you've heard of it, to uh, take over the role of Tina Turner. Have you heard of it in the show Tina? Um, simple, particular role. Yeah, so I, I was brought in to take over for Nkeki, who originated the role so beautifully, And it was my absolute honor to sit and, you know, witness her work and everybody else's work for a few weeks and get to know the show that way. And then I was slotted in, I think, right after opening, maybe the weekend after the show
2: opened. Oh, okay, Yeah, I didn't realize that it was I thought it was a little later in the run than that. I love that, though, that you kind of had a chance to 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 watch the process then before you just had to, you know, because sometimes when you're replacing people, it's like here's your week of rehearsals away from the whole totally. week that you're in, and it's just happening now.
1: Yeah. No, it felt very organic. I felt so supported. You know, I, I spent, you know, it almost felt like summer camp or something. Like, I spent the whole day, you know, with the assistant choreographers, associate choreographers, you know, associate music director and the associate director, and we, we all just kind of worked together. I am forever thankful to them. I feel like they just dedicated these three weeks to teaching me. <laughs> me alone the show um uh which was very special but but actually that wasn't quite true because a lot of our rehearsals were with you know the understudies too so it it was really fun it felt like a massive group effort of just kind of like study hall and then i would watch the show at night um and kind of like see so like oh i learned that today okay so this is what it is in practice uh great and then I would, you know, hang backstage. I think I did that a couple times. Just hung backstage and kind of like followed <laughs> and kept you around. And I was like, okay, great, great. That's where she changes her costume, whatever. So it's fun. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm like so, I'm ha- happiest when I'm a student. So it was second nature to me. I loved being there and I loved kind of receiving it in that way. And, and because it was just such a loving, you know, environment, but also like a really happy, uh, one of my friends, is, it was a very happy, like, transfer of, of of this role, because, you know, NKK had gotten this incredible opportunity, and we everyone was just so thrilled for her, so it, it was also, it felt like a very happy situation, too. Uh, yeah, it was great. And,
2: you know, kind of going back a little bit, how much did you know, then, about the project before you joined? Because I know, like, the first time I heard about it, it was kind of, the album, I heard about it when the album had just come out, but you know, my friend was like, oh yeah, no, so this, this has been in development for a while and people have been talking about it and there's all these amazing names attached to it. Like, had you heard about it before you went in or?
1: I had heard about it because I had some friends in the show. My friends, Andrew Kober, uh, Grace McLean, Pete Saunders, Natalie Walker. Like I had a lot of buddies that were in the show. So I had, had heard of it and was definitely planning to go see it, you know, when, when it was open. So when I, got, when I got the appointment uh, to go in for the show, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the show all my friends are doing. And, uh, yeah, but I don't think I had ever heard any of the music or anything like that. I, I know, yeah, it had been in development for, for quite a number of years, and, you know, many cool folks had gone through the different, you know, workshop casts. But I had never heard any of the music, uh, but I did, you know, know of the show just because I had so many good friends involved.
2: And, I mean, even just some of the names you just said. A, my heart. I but... know, stars. Stars, Grace yeah. McLean, God bless. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> that woman is a machine. But this team of people that you were working with, it was just such yeah. a special, like, even just to see it, the, the energy as a group that you guys mm-hmm. put out, was it was just fabulous, and it was so great. Everyone clicked yeah. so well, and I did want to know a little more about, you know, that, I mean, you've already said, obviously, great group of people to work with, but kind of mm-hmm. what the dynamic was as you were all going into the show together, and then also just that I guess developmentally, since the show was still in development while it was at MCC.
1: Yeah. Um, when I, by the time that I was tagging in, I think a lot of the development had had been done. The show was pretty was pretty was very close to set, if not totally set, by the time I got there. So I wasn't around for a whole lot of the development process, but certainly it was a very supportive group because literally we did. There was a lot of like, you know, support in the show with with the choreography and the movement. There had to be a lot of trust within within the company and there absolutely was I felt so close to everybody and, and and especially I had a very unique experience right kind of like entering an already formed ensemble I I remember feeling like everyone was just so so welcoming and went out of their way to really let me know that they got me and like and even though I was a new kid I I was I I was a part of the company just like everybody else
2: very, very supportive environment. And I love what you said about it's a physically supporting show too. So for people who don't know, the choreography, I mean, beautiful choreography, I was, that I think was the first thing that really struck me about it to to see it. I was like, this is everything I love. But, you know, being, for people who have never done it, I think it's kind of hard to explain, but to be in a show where it is that kind of intense group movement and a lot of lifting a lot of you know stuff like that it is really really trust-based and it has to be such a such a close-knit group of people and it yeah it translates really well in this show because it just everything looks so seamless and beautiful
1: thanks thanks I really want to shout out the I mean like the associate choreographers that taught me the show they deserve a lot of credit because I I was you know I felt really nervous because A lot of, yeah, you are literally catching people. You're supporting them with your body. You're bending over and they're walking on your back. Like it was like a lot of stuff that you can't replicate unless you do it. And I knew that I was going to get thrown in, you know, everyone, everyone else's bodies were going to be used to each other, but I was going to be a new force and I didn't want to disturb what the company had built. And I really have to hand it to the the people that taught me the show. They, they just were able to communicate what was going to happen so beautifully, and they prepped me so perfectly um, that it really did feel like, yeah, a very seamless transition when I was able to
2: step into the show. And that is something I wanted to ask you about. So I think your track in particular, from an outward view, was like, oh, she's over here, and now she's up there, and now she's on top of the set. Yeah. <laughs> was it as physically demanding As it looked, or, you know, was it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and also, I'm not good with heights. So, like, there was a, like, there was a, there was a perch that I remember, I remember sitting in the audience, you know, night after night and just watching Nkeki, like, casually drape herself, um, at the top of this ladder and being, I'm getting sweaty, just, just thinking about it. I can feel, like, I'm getting sweaty. Um, and I remember being like, oh no, I, I, I'm not good with heights. I ended up making it work for me. I remember, like, I would climb to the top, and then, like, the entire left side of my body was, like, that was the side of my body that was, like, you're not going to fall from this thing. So you can feel free in your right side, but, like, don't worry. Like, I've got an iron grip on this ladder.
2: <laughs> Girl, I feel, because that heights aren't my fave. I can kind of get – sometimes when I'm on stage, I, no. like, trick myself, you know? Cause, you know yeah, you're yeah, at, yeah. Can't yeah. See anything. But when I was – I remember watching and being, like, ooh – that is a skinny ladder, and that is a very high spot. That they're all, yeah, you know, they're just, a like lot of, just like flying down the ladder. No big deal. It's, yeah, yeah, it
1: was, it was, it was intense. It definitely took a lot of mind tricks, mind games to feel like, okay, I, I guess I'm comfortable up here. All
2: right. And I also do, I guess, shout out to the set designers as well. And absolutely. The The design of this show, for people who don't know, I guess if you could like explain kind of the the concept behind it, because I think a lot of people did what I did when I I first heard about it was like, okay, so it's an Alice in Wonderland adaptation. We already got that with Wonderland and no hate on Wonderland. Frank Wildhorn is the best and I love him. His work is so great. But you know, it didn't really gel with a lot of people. So I think I I didn't really understand what the concept was. So just for people who don't know, if you could kind of tell us what the lowdown (laughs) is. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, it took, the framing of the show was that it takes place in uh, 1940s London, so during World War II, uh, and yeah, the context of the show was a bunch of uh, young people um, essentially taking refuge inside an underground, like a London Underground, a subway tunnel, and then one of the one of the people in that tunnel, her name is Alice, in an effort to grieve the impending death of her best friend kind of escapes through her own mind into Alice in Wonderland, which is a book that the two of them really treasured together. And then everybody else who was present in the underground tube with them, also hiding out in nineteen forties London, they take over the roles inside of her head um uh, characters in the book. So yeah, so the set, in regards to the set, yeah, so it looked kind of like a Uh, a subway tunnel but we were able to kind of you know zoom out theatrically and and have the set play different roles um you know from the story
2: and and set wise that the the storytelling that was told through like practical effects and kind of close I wouldn't say close-up magic but kind of I think that feels a little right that like it it really fills out the world so well and I was going to say I really loved especially like your connection with your character at the beginning and the kind of uh underground framing device, and then its connection. Mm-hmm. To the, I loved it so much, and it was so, like, yeah. such a sweet relationship that they yeah. had. It was just, it was so great. Okay. So Then the other Alice by Heart question that I wanted to ask, yeah. I, mean, I wanted to ask what it was like recording that album, because that was an album that I feel it kind of snuck in, and it, yeah. everyone who's listened to it just adores it, and I'd love to know kind of what that was like yeah. for you. oh, that means a lot. Yeah, it was so fun. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I, we started at like, I don't know, 10am or something and we just like sang through the show and, uh, we were I think all like delightfully loopy at the end. Um, like, it was a really long day, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was magical. Like, I mean, it was such a special experience, you know, having Duncan in the booth and it just, it felt very like, yeah, it just felt like a, I don't know, like a dream. It was a total dream come true for a singer, you know? you know? Like so much support, and at the same time, you feel like you have a responsibility, you know, to kind of lay the show down in the way that it was written. It was such a good time. And I think that's the, such the fun thing about ensemble casts, too. You know, there's like never a lonely moment. It's just you're always kind of with with each other and, putting the show on in this
2: new way and it really is an ensemble like in the truest form of the word an ensemble piece because it's just like i said you know all those yeah. practical effects that are all the, the caterpillar bit with everyone in there that is my mm. favorite part of the whole the coolest show.
1: i think me too
2: me too so awesome yeah. and the song every song is a bop every single one 100% agree 100% agree. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, okay, I've got time for one song. I'm going to go through this out, and then I just can't decide. I love <laughs> what my sister and I have affectionately dubbed the Lobster Song. Um, yeah. <laughs> so good. Something's Fall Away. Isn't It a Trial? Yeah. Once again, God bless, because that one is like... It's just, I can't. It's going to, again, i got to like move myself on, because it's just going to turn to me. <laughs> <just> <laughs> talking about how much I love Alice by heart. So, then... Uh, you worked with an, all my faves. Kim has worked with all my faves. Dave Malloy, who is genius, <laughs> genius, genius. Yeah. My favorite composer. Truly, Ghost Quartet is in my top three. Oh my god, so I love good. Ghost Quartet. Oh my god. So then you, uh, you did octet, not Ghost Quartet, but octet. Um, <laughs> Your piece. So you know, how'd you get involved in that?
1: Oh, it was so fun. Um, the director, Annie Tip, brilliant wonder, wonder mind, she and I are not only good friends, but we did acapella together in college. So when she started working on this piece, she called me and she was like, do you want to do some crazy acapella? <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. If I'm going to do acapella with anybody, I want it to be in the room with you. So, yeah, that's. I mean, I got brought in for for a workshop, and it was just so fun, so mind-blowing, so, like, stirring. Like, the music is just so one-of-a-kind. Um, we, we had a two-week workshop that was super challenging because the music is so dense, but it was just such a fun, fun ride, um, and I'm just so happy that, yeah, we got to we could do it again. Let's see it again for the show. And
2: were you familiar with Dave's work beforehand? Like, did you know of Ghost Quartet? And I mean, of course, everyone knew about The Great Comet. Cause... Yeah, yeah.
1: I was a yeah big Great Comet fan. Did I see it at Arizona? I don't think I saw it at Arizona, but I certainly saw it on The B Way. And then I saw it, I think I, I saw it multiple times because I know I saw it uh, with Josh Grogan. And then when Dave went on, uh, went to go see Dave, who was, if Dave's listening, such a such a beautiful performance I just I I'm so happy that I got to
2: see do it I wanted to see Great Comet so so bad but we got into it like because I was kind of young when it came out so we as we started getting into it I don't remember what we would have been seeing I think we went because I live like two and a half hours outside of the city so I think mm-hmm. we were going to see like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something And my dad was like, oh, yeah, like next time we come in, we're going to see Great Comet. And then it closed. And then I didn't get to see it. it. Darn it. But I love it.
1: Yeah, it's a killer piece. So gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, I'm also a huge fan of Ghost Quartet. Yeah, one of the best theatrical experiences I've, I've been able to witness. So yeah, yeah, I was a huge fan. It was such a, it was so fun to be able to be a part of this, this new Dave piece because, like you,
2: he's my favorite. So you're saying you were in it from workshop stage. So exactly, you know, how how much workshopping did you guys end up doing to then transition to the final production?
1: Oh, you know, that's a fun question because actually the workshop that I was a part of, uh, which was the one, um, there were there were a few, and I, I was only able to jump in, you know, right the, the one right before the production. And at that point, the song that I sang in the show solo, which was actually a duet with Adam Batchian, had not yet been written. So for that workshop, we did the presentation. And for that chunk of the show, Adam and I just spoke the possible lyrics. But it was fun because Dave was still figuring that part out, that part of the show out. So that really speaks to his, I think, uh, his uh, speed when it comes to writing, because I think yeah, January of that year, it hadn't been written, and then come April, I think it was he was maybe still, oh, no, when did he start? Yeah, April. He was still tinkering with it, Um, so I feel like we kind of got to watch it get written in real time. It was super fun.
2: (laughs) And I think nobody writes the song for a specific performer the way that he does. You are so right, yeah. Down to, you know, I know um, uh, Britt Ashford talks a lot about, you know, obviously, for people who don't know from Great Comet and Ghost Quartet, and, you know, she talks a lot about hating her mix and hating singing Mm -hmm. in her mix because she thinks that she doesn't like the way that her voice sounds there, but that Dave specifically loves it and is like, I'm writing all your songs in your mix. And it just, you know, he he unlocks something about people that's so beautiful, but also so great for storytelling, and it just, everything he writes is just, it's brilliant. There's no, I can't say anything else. He's just brilliant.
1: I agree. That's so beautiful to hear, because I feel like I had such an identical experience. You know, like, he, I think we changed the key of that song, you know, quite a number of times, so that it could sit really nicely where I live. And that... I mean, it's just so touch. It's, it's so moving, you know, for, for a singer to have the composer be like, whatever works for you. And similarly, you know, I, I shared that song with Adam, and Adam is like a true, deep bass. So it was just like, we have to use what your, you know, you know, sexy, cool abilities are. Like, let me write to your sexy, cool abilities. And that way, I mean, that's how the song is going to sound best. And, you know, I think musical, auditioning for musicals, at least for me, I can always speak for myself, but auditioning for musicals, sometimes be, I can feel very insecure because if my voice doesn't suit what's written, you can either feel like you're, you know, you're you're pushing or you're reaching or you're faking or whatever, like having to change the sound of your voice to suit, you know, ink on a page. But for a composer to be like, no, ink on the page is the last step. The first step is, like, how do we really, like, match this song to, like, your your specific instrument? Yeah, what a what a magical feeling for a singer to
2: feel. Yeah, and I totally agree. Like, I think as singers, because I, I, I definitely am more actor who sings rather than singer first, but I think especially sometimes when you're going in and you're auditioning for something that you have such a – preconceived notion of the way that that composer writes or the way that you know the style of the show that like you know maybe if you in your mind are like oh I think I can do it but you know there's there's always that hesitation doesn't help you know and, and then the fact that yeah. he yeah. really knows how to you know when he sees something in you that you can just bring that out and it's it's just such a it's just, everything he writes is an experience and it, he like he mm, down to the, point. down to the performers on stage.
1: Absolutely, couldn't agree more.
2: And especially, you know, to kind of segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about, that not only is he bringing an experience out of the performers, but I think out of the performers he assembles. Oh, there's sirens outside. Hello, um, <laughs> I. God, we love the ambiance on this podcast today. Um, <laughs> so you know, octet. Eight people on stage, this fantastic group. Everyone, the 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 match of that, it, the sound is brilliant. But I would love to know for you, kind of, um, actually, what the biggest challenges were um, of of singing in such a small group and keeping everything. I mean, it's it's real lockdown. So you know, the biggest challenges, but then also what you think some of your favorite parts of working in that environment were.
1: Yeah, I feel like the answer for you know the biggest challenge and also the most filling detail are just the same like the amount of focus and faith that like the, the marriage of focus and faith with stepping out you know on that stage to do this show every night was um was really special <laughs> um yeah, because there was just because of the density of of, of the score there was uh, we, we each had you know a significant responsibility because we're we're, we're carrying each other you know, like, I I hear my note from JD. So, you know, and maybe JD, you know, at the beginning of that phrase in which he provides me the note, he's hearing from Margo. You know, so we all are truly, like, truly holding each other for 90 minutes and just saying, like, I got you. I got you. and And to ourselves, like, listen carefully. Listen carefully. So it was super challenging to have to, like, lock into that level of focus every night. And yet that was so joyful. Like, it was so fun to just, like, kind of lean in and just, like, turn the ears up and just, like, listen so intently to, you know, my seven partners. It was hard because it required a great deal of, yeah, just like laser sharp listening, uh, but also like at the same time, that it always felt like a big giant hug. You know, <laughs> like I just really felt that everybody had my back, and I was so psyched to be able to contribute in the ways that I felt like I could contribute to the group.
2: And I think it's so great that, like, you know acting is so much about listening and performing, you know, to, to be able to tell a story, but you know, when it's something like that, that really forces you to be in it, I feel like, yeah, that's such, it it almost, I don't want to say like make it easier in the sense of like downplaying it or anything, but like, you know, that it, it, it really helps you connect yourself. I would assume anyway to, to exactly the story. Definitely. There
1: was no moment for checking out, no moment for, you know, dead air or anything you know everything we all just had to lean in like turn up turn up the listening and just like go trust sing you know throw your sound into the into the space so that was it was a big responsibility so it was challenging to feel to feel that but also like so freeing because I knew that this company had me
2: they had my back I love that so much I I do and so then you know, not your last time working with Dave Molloy. So then we have Moby Dick, which way back in Great Comet times, it kinda you know, the 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 whispers started out. Dave Malloy is writing a Moby Dick musical and I was like Well, you know, he he made the Great Comet work, so I'm sure he's gonna give us something (laughs) fabulous. But like, yeah, so and then it happened and you were there. So, you know, how not only did you get involved in Moby Dick, but then also I'd love for you to kinda Talk, you know, describe the production a little bit, because I feel like a lot of people either sure. didn't hear about it or, or weren't familiar with. It was it was beautiful, you know. I didn't get to see it in person, but like all the stills and stuff, and hearing some of the yeah. music stuff, it was awesome. So yeah, I'd love you to kind of explain that to people.
1: Yeah, like you said, it was an experience. I like to think of our production of Moby Dick as like a it was like a ride. It literally was a ride for some people because there was a portion of the show where we had audience come on stage and we pushed them around in boats. <laughs> so, like, literally it was a ride. But also I just thought it was, you know, for the people who weren't the 20 people that we brought on stage. Um, the, the, the special thing about this musical was that, of course it was an adaptation, but it was theatrical. It was cinematic. Like, it, it was not... Um, it was not a translation of the book to stage. It was, it was like a, it was like an explosion of of an adaptation. There were so many different genres. We pulled out of the of the book a few times. We zoomed back in. Um, it was almost it was collage-like, which I felt made it way more exciting, way more, you know, unexpected of a ride. We told the story. But it was it was done in a variety of different like filmic genres and yeah, we we definitely like we we, we threw a lot of the audience and they were they were along for the ride.
2: And you you were involved in Moby Dick from the developmental stage or did you No, so I was
1: a brand new kid. I there were a few of us that there were many people in the company that had been with the show for many years and I was a brand new kid along with a couple other actors we uh were yeah brand new to that process so it was so fun again had some days that felt like summer camp just like we would go you know the, the three of us that were new or the handful of us that were new you know we'd go like learn learn the score ethically you know and then kind of come back and you know sing it all together uh but no i was brand new and i i, I yeah i got thrown into the deep end. and
2: i'd also love to talk about the puppetry that was involved oh, in this yeah. show. I am a sucker for puppets. I oh. love like the woodsman stuff. Like, all yeah. the time, I love it. The woodsman. We got to do a podcast about that at some point. Cause, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, that learning puppetry, I think it's another thing. You know, people who have never done it, it's kind of hard to really explain exactly what it is. But I would yeah. love for you to talk about how you found the puppetry for storytelling. And, and, you know, how you connect to that.
1: Yeah. Um, Eric Avery, our amazing, brilliant puppet designer, brought forth this notion of the puppets in this world being made from stuff that you would find in the ocean, stuff that is man-made that is currently clogging our oceans. So one of my favorite pieces in the show was this really big, puppet of a school of fish, and the fish were made from bottles that had been sl- plastic bottles, like if you can imagine, like a milk, like the shape of a milk what do you call it? bottle, like a milk jug, sliced in half, so they kind of looked like um, they had like a big head and then like a little tail, um, and they were all kind of sewn together on this uh, kind of long stick and when they moved together on on their, like, sewn together mechanism, it looked like fish swimming through the water. And the way they were staged or, or you know, sewn together, the shape that they made looked like a school of fish. And it was one of my favorite parts in the show, one of the, the parts that I got to do in the show, in which I, I, I like, kind of descended into the space while – this lovely, lovely song <laughs> sung by Monica and, and Morgan. Um, I just kind of like descended into the space and, and did this very, very simple movement kind of showing off Eric's puppet, which always took my breath away. It just was so simple, but so beautiful. Like the way this moved and it was plastic and hard, but seen in this new way, it was soft and, and animalistic and, and, organic looking and I just kind of like you know sailed it around while this beautiful song was being sung and then I disappeared so yeah the puppets I thought you know they were so creative and so unique and yet so beautiful like it's, it was, it's just bizarre in such a delicious way it's so theatrical how like cardboard um, you know plastic
2: um, can can become and I think as an audience it connects you a lot too especially if it's something that you're not I guess something that you're not expecting, just because I, I didn't know uh, when the production was first announced, and when I first looked forward you know, to, to seeing all the stills and stuff, I wasn't really aware of exactly how much the puppetry was going to influence the look of the show, but it was it was all so, so beautiful. And also, I love that you mentioned that little boat ride part, so I want everyone who hasn't seen this to imagine these little rowboats on stage, and then everyone's wearing a poncho, as if you're like on a trip to Niagara Falls, you know, and it's amazing. I love it so much. And I, I love the way that. That's exactly right. Yeah. The way that he just brings the audience <laughs> in on it. You have no choice. You can't go to a Dave Molloy show and check out. For yeah. Time. You're in it. Totally. And you're there for the ride and that's just how it's going to be. And I love that.
1: Yeah. I, I love it too. It was so fun and one of my favorite parts of the show for sure. It's great.
2: So I, I would love to know then, you know, all three of the shows that we've kind of touched on today on your resume are all new works, but also adaptations of stories. And I would love to know for you kind of what is exciting about being in new projects and and also adaptations, you know, I guess on two different, they're you're, in your instance, you know, they're all connected, but, you know, what, what especially that you like about diving into new projects?
1: Oh, I mean... This sounds so obvious, but it's, it's the, it's the newness. It's the, it's the, you know, everyday transformations. It's the new ideas. It's the, it's the things that are born out of a mistake in the rehearsal room. You know, the costumes, uh, that were created because somebody wore a funny hat to work that day. You know, it's the, it's the idea that anything can change at any given moment. I love that so electric and it really reminds me you know how live this this work is and that's my absolute favorite thing about working on new new pieces just like the ever-changing aspect of it and what we did we had a lot of changes um you know in the tech process and in previews and and I just, that's something that I just I, I I thrive on I thrive on like that kind of last minute adjustment to to you know, clarify story. Um, you know, to clean the arc or, or or whatever. That I find just like so exciting. It's very thrilling to me to to just like implement changes here and there, and that can only be done with the, you know brand spanking
2: new piece. And I also think it's the the fact that you are creating the character is something that I love so yeah. much. Like it just there's there's literally nothing like it in the entire world. Because you know, of course, I love doing established, you know, I, I did Into the Woods in high school, played a role I'm not going to play for 30 more years, but, like, it, you know, there's, that's, that's so much fun, and it's so much fun to explore, you know, kind of a, I guess, a piece that has a legacy behind it, but, you know, when you're doing a new script, there's nothing like, because, you know, inevitably a part of you is going to end up in it, and it's going to end up in that. Yeah, the
1: that is a very, um, very special detail, I think, of being a part of new work as well, like, I remember, you know, hearing Alice by Heart recording for the first time, I was just, I, I was so, I was like, this is what it must feel like to be immortal. <laughs> like, like, you know, in, in 30, 40, 50 years when, like, nobody has ever heard of this piece, you know, they can go on, well, they can go to the library like what I used to do, or they can go on Spotify, which is what we do now, or they can do something that, who knows how we're going to catalog music 50 years from now, but you know, they can listen to this music and, and be transported back to 2019. And then that is just, yeah, it's like a really, really special,
2: really special feeling. Yeah, for sure. Now I would like uh, to move on to a little bit of a lightning round, except sure. not really a lightning round. Cause you can take as long as you need <laughs> to answer all the questions. Um, but first question, favorite book. Favorite book. Um, You know what's coming to mind right now is
1: is this novel pachinko which i read this summer that has really stuck with me it's like a multi-generational family novel um, that takes place in korea and in japan and oh my god this book moved me i sent a copy to my mom i was like read this she was like this is sad
2: (laughs) But these days, I
1: think that's, yeah, that's my favorite
2: book. And then kind of a branch off of that, of the shows that you've been in that are adaptations of books, which of those books is your favorite, if you've read any of them?
1: Ah! I admittedly did not read Moby Dick. I was like, oh my god, I'm going to read This is huge. And then I did read the first chapter, and the first
2: chapter only. Um, Girl, I love so, you, honestly.
1: But I will say, I was just thinking about it because I saw it in your own show. Um, I read this book instead, which was so fucking cool. This is a podcast so nobody can see it, but I'm holding up In the Heart of the Sea by Nathaniel Philbrick, um, which is, and it's about the sinking of the whale ship Essex, uh, which uh, Melville based a large part of Moby Dick on. This actual thing that happened. This this whale ship was attacked by a, a, a sperm whale, and, you know, people went down the ship, and then the survivors, you know, drifted, you know, off to sea, and there was some, some cannibalism, and it was high drama, high drama. Um, so, what was your initial question? All right, so I didn't read Moby Dick, but I did read this book, and it's amazing, In the Heart of the Sea, Nathaniel Thing of
2: So you didn't read Moby Dick, but you did. I count. Yeah, I guess I read, like, the OG experience about the Whaleship Essex. (laughs) You went the extra mile. You could have (laughs) just... Okay, next one. Favorite musical?
1: Oh... I think...
2: Yeah, it's a a hard
1: one. I'm gonna go the route of the classics. Um, And I will say my first favorite movie ever was West Side Story. And it remains, you know, it has a very, very, very special place in my heart. So I can't wait to um, see the movie. And then if we ever have theater again, can to see
2: what they made last year that I didn't get to see. <laughs> Seriously, but it was right there, never got to see it. That's a good joke. <laughs> I feel like. Thank you. People yeah. love West Side Story, but I also feel like I don't see enough love for West Side Story because I remember watching it young too. It's just. Oh my gosh. The, the Jet song?
1: Oh my god! He's doing all those gymnastics? Oh my god. Can't compete. Nobody can compete.
2: Nope. <laughs> uh, favorite movie?
1: Favorite movie is probably L.A. Story. The Steve Martin movie from 1991. It's very bizarre. It's very quirky. A very young Sarah Jessica Parker is in it. Highly recommend. It's so strange, but definitely one of my faves and that movie does not get enough love like i could definitely see more love for la story a totally forgotten movie get out there i don't know where it is on any streaming platform but
2: we're gonna find it, it on it a streaming platform and we're gonna link it below so we'll <laughs> go watch kim's favorite movie all right so this one two-part question kind of hard it's kind of a long question but um okay. so of the three shows of yours that we've kind of focused on today do you have a favorite number in each? And what do you think was the hardest number in each?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The hardest number, I think, was Toby's number in Octet. So this is the number that came right after um, mine in the show. So when we were doing you know, the show a lot, when we were doing the production, I always remember feeling like, uh, like you know, a little like um, all right now I gotta now I gotta focus again. <laughs> now I gotta focus on, to you know be be in you know kind of ensemble and in terms of like mind voice, um, and that was just the trickiest number. There was so much spoken stuff, so much spoken stuff on pitch, um, a lot of like singing like one note one half note away from the person next to you so many um tricky shifts to the song oh my gosh that one, oh and we, the way we were staged we were none of what we weren't facing each other so we were facing out so when you're singing with someone obviously like your dream is maybe to lock eyes at them and then you can you know kind of communicate with each other but yet yeah, the way we were sitting on stage we were just it was like you really had to use your periphery Um, and, and, uh, that was also a time where you really had to listen to your mix in the in your ear because you couldn't, I couldn't physically see what my, um, you know, colleagues were doing. So I just had to really listen to them and just trust that we were all going to jump in. (laughs) And then my favorite song, I have so many favorites, um, but I think it's a tie between Chillin' the Regrets from Alice by Heart. Um, that I got to sing with Heath Saunders every night, one of the, the, the greatest guys. That was such a dream. I love Heath's voice and to be able to duet with him was like, ah, oh, chef's kiss. And I just love that song, the way it, it's just so sexy and, and I just love the vibe of that song. It was, I think it's my favorite of the album. Um, and it was my favorite to do every night. And then I think that's a tie with the big opening number from Moby Dick, which, yeah, like, like I said about singing choir, you know, that I think is my first love is singing with everybody. There's something very magical about that. it's, it's very surreal. It just feels so good to be in conversation with everybody on stage. It's a very special feeling. And I just loved, um, I mean, that opening number, Loomings, is just some, one of the most beautiful pieces of music I think I've ever heard. And so to get to sing it every night, like, in tandem with everybody else on stage, it was just, it was gorgeous.
2: Next one. A role that you've played that you would like to have another shot at?
1: Oh, hey. um, I'm thinking back to my school days thinking back to my school days, this is a little cheaty, I'm cheating a little bit, but when I was in school, I asked to work on <laughs> like a string of Lady M um, scenes, like her first entrance, which is a mo- like the Unsex Me Here monologue. And then I asked if I could like then move into the next scene in which Macbeth enters and like, and so that was like kind of my project for one of my classes in, in school. That's a role I would love to play in production, Lady M, or also M. I would be definitely be down to play Macbeth, 100. Macbeth is one of my favorite plays. I would I would take any role in Macbeth. I'll do a one person Macbeth a la Patrick Stewart, <laughs> or whoever did that one person Macbeth. But yeah, I love that play. It's so wild. It's so weird. Um, so yeah, any I'll take I'll I'll take any. I'll pull out of the hat for Macbeth.
2: I love it. Same vein. Any dream roles that you have?
1: Any dream roles I I gotta say I don't really have any dream roles. I have like dream dream productions, like dream people that I would love to be, you know, in a room with or in a room with again. Like I think I don't think I have a dream role, but I would love to do a dream production. Yeah, I would Annie Tip, Shana Taub, you know, Lee Silverman, Mimi Leanne, hell, Laura Dern's there. Um, (laughs) You know, like, I have dreamed people, and and I hope I'm one day lucky enough to work with them or work with them again.
2: No, I definitely feel that. I... So, there's like a couple of roles that i think are ones that this is gonna sound really weird but let's get weird on this mm-hmm. podcast um i think yeah. there are definitely some roles that just like in my soul that i'm like i feel like something in my life is telling me like you're gonna end up doing that one day because it's just like like yeah. for example Fiddler on the yeah West. one of those for you well, yeah, like, Fiddler yeah. on the Roof. I saw Fiddler on the Roof. Everyone who knows me knows that I love it. I have people who, like, call me Havala, like, all the time. Yeah. I watched it when I was three years old, and my dad was like, oh, I just, he just wanted me to see the rich man dance. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 you're not turning this off now. Now we're watching the whole thing." No! <laughs> and I think, like, three or four times in my life, I've either almost auditioned for it, like, almost gone into the city to audition, or it's been, like, oh, like, this is what the high school's doing. And then, nope, that's not what we're doing anymore. And, like, it's been, like, three <laughs> or four times. And the last time, you know, I teach um, and I work with, like, high school students locally. And, awesome. like, we, that's what we were going to do this year. And now we're not doing it anymore because, you know, COVID. So I was kind of upset, you know, when it happened to my sister was, like, yeah, but, you know, that means this has happened to you so many times that eventually you're going to do this and it's going to be for like a special totally. reason and there's so many of those but i totally agree like people wise it's just i mean that's why i have this podcast this is an excuse yeah! for me to talk to people that i want to work with that's right and that's you know, right i and i feel like people don't talk about that enough but it really mm-hmm. it's not weird you can like really look up to like i think there's there's nothing better either like you're going to learn so much just from hearing the people that Inspire you just from hearing them talk, listening to them on podcasts, stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing better than that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Let's see.
2: Last my place. Um, we, I just, um, do you have any favorite lines from the big three that we've talked about today?
1: That's such a good question. Something that always moved me was, um, the opening line from *Bloomings* from *Moby Dick*, which is "Come hither, broken-hearted, here is another life." I just always thought that was what a way to open a show, you know? Like talk about extending a hand to the audience and just like welcoming them in. One of my favorite lyrics I think I've ever sung.
2: Love it. If you could pick a book. That you love, that could be turned into a stage adaptation for you to perform in. What book would it be? <laughs> um, I think it would be
1: the Joy Luck Club. <laughs> much like, much like Pachinko, I think I real and and like we've talked about already. For me, there is nothing better than um like a multi-generational ensemble piece i love stories that just like include so many different narratives of course it's always fun to have like one you know main character that you root for in my death with, of course but there's something about seeing so many varying points of view in one piece that makes me feel i don't know it really inspires me and the joy love club i think is like a just that classic multi-generational family narrative and has a lot of badass
2: Chinese women. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um okay. Completely different. We're going a completely different direction now. Great. Any pre show traditions?
1: Um I must stretch my body. I must move my body. I I warm up. I'm, you know, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm very, I'm very diligent when it comes to preparation. But yeah, I, 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 I need some time to kind of like stretch out, put some music on, um, and just, I always like to stretch out in the house of the, of the theater because it it feels like a way to kind of like be with the audience even before they're there and kind of like claim the space as my own. So I, I find a place in the house to kind of like stretch out and warm up, and then I'll you know make my way on stage and do some vocal warm ups from the stage. But yeah, I like to be in I like to be in the space before the audience gets there and just kind of like be like, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Don't worry, I'm not gonna forget about you. I got you. You know. No, absolutely. <laughs> Remind myself that this is like a, a like a holy place, and I'm it's almost like I'm I'm christening it before. <laughs>
2: The audience comes in. I do the exact same thing and people think it's weird sometimes, but I Yeah I it's, it's either that or I think, you know, the same thing of like even just if I can be on the apron yeah. of the stage and you know like I feel mm-hmm. like there's they're totally it sounds weird to explain, but yeah, there's like totally a connection. You know, you gotta ground yourself yeah. into the space before you go in. Yes. That's
1: right, that's right. It's like you gotta meet the space. Like the space had a day too, so you gotta
2: come in, you gotta be like, How's your day,
1: space? Yeah, you're good. I'm good, too. Let's let's make some beer
2: tonight. Say hi to the ghosts. You know, make sure everything's Exactly. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: best pre-show meal in New York City.
1: Okay, people hate on cheese. People hate on cheese. Um, and I guess science backs them, I guess. <laughs> but ever since I was in college, I have been, like, A slice of pizza before a musical? Love. (laughs) I think it's because of, like, the oil. It's like the oil. Like, I remember doing a show in college and being like, this, this, the singing is so hard. (laughs) And the only thing that would make me feel ready was a slice of pizza. (laughs) So I will say these days I do kind of try to listen to the science about, you know, dairy and singing and stuff, but I will say oily stuff, that for me is the best pre-show meal because it's just like, you got to lubricate the throat, you got to lubricate all that stuff in there. You can't do a salad. can't do a, can't do a sandwich. No, it's got to be like, it's got to be soaked in oil, whatever it is. <laughs> it's got to be soaked in oil. Noodles, dumplings, slice of pizza,
2: do it. I feel like I tend to do a lot of the noodles, dumplings thing. I... I love a yeah. noodle pre-show. Right.
1: And listen, it's like, you got to have the energy to do this show, you know, a long show. So it's like, if it has if it has carbs, I say, that's it. That's, that's the best pre-show
2: meal. Oh, I'm going to eat these noodles before a show, and then, oh God, I shouldn't have eaten that much before <laughs> I went. That's
1: true, I guess. That's true. It's a, care- it's a careful balance.
2: It's a science, but once you find it, eat those carbs, girl. <laughs> um, most comfortable costume that you've ever worn? Oh wow. Yeah. Most
1: comfortable costume. You know, it was probably what I got to wear at Moby Dick. It was so fun. I had, it was like a big onesie. It was like I worked at, it was like I was, um, it was like I worked at, a, it was like I was a car mechanic or something. It was like a onesie. Um, but they also like fit it to me exactly. So it was comfortable, but it also was like very flattering. Thanks costumes. Um, and I had these, like, you know, boots. I just felt like I was in pajamas. And I had, like, a beanie, so I just, like, put my hair up in this beanie. And so, like, my head was warm and soft, and I had this onesie. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's got to be it. Everybody <laughs> had, had have. a beanie in that show. Every single. Yes, it was Yes, totally. I'm, totally. I'm here for the beanies. I wear them a lot. It's, yes, we all need them. Yeah, it was fabulous. Of the three big roles that we've talked about tonight, um... Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think was your favorite part about playing each of them?
1: Oh, what a lovely question. You know, with the, with, Alice, with Alice by Heart, I would say I, I just feel so lucky to have had the experience that, that I had. Like, it was such a cool way to be a part of the show, like, kind of approach it as, like, joyful outsider. <laughs> and then kind of make my way into making it my own. And I'm remembering now actually, and Keki wrote me this stunning card um, on her last night in the show and she she wrote to me she wrote, "This part is yours now. Um, enjoy. And that meant so much to me and and it was such a special experience to be able to enter a show like that to you know, be on the outside of it and, and, and learn it and then step in and then figure out how I could make it my own. I feel so lucky to have had that experience. Um, and then with Octet, yeah, that, that ensemble was, was just so, it was so meaningful to be part of that ensemble. Everybody had their, you know, role to play. And, and yet the marriage of all of us together on stage was like, yeah, it was like a, it was, a, it was like a family, but it, but it also, it was also more than that. It was like, we were one organism. And I don't know if I've ever had that kind of like true intimacy. is isn't really the right word, but that like, almost like sixth sense-ness with with everybody. I remember one night um, for my song, I would, I would normally get a pitch in my ear to start singing and I, you know I would be like oh great that's my note and one night it didn't come and uh, I stood in silence for a little bit kind of waiting for it and like internally panicking a little bit because I was like I'm just going to be reaching for this note. I, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> don't know what it is. Um, and I was like do my classmates can they hear it and like there's something wrong with my you know my in ear or something. It felt like five years had elapsed, <laughs> elapsed between, you know, the moment I was I was supposed to receive it and then um, what ended up happening, which I was just like, I'm just gonna start singing, I'm just gonna start singing, and 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 I hope that it goes well. So I just picked what I thought the note was, and I just went and like magical clockwork, the rest of the company they were there, they chimed in, um, you know, none of us had heard the pitch, there was, you know, something, something off that night, um, with that particular cue, but the way we were all there, like, we were all listening, and it was, it was just, it was like we were all, like, on the same, like, invisible text thread (laughs) in our mind's eye, It's just like, whatever you choose to do in this moment, we got you, you want to wait? Cool, we'll wait here, you want to go? We're going to start singing, as if nothing is wrong, and that kind of like familial magic as if we're all kind of sharing one heartbeat. So, so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, and then with Moby, I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of a similar thing. Like the show was, was epic. Show was epic. It was a lot of literal heavy lifting and also, um, you know, it was a long show. I don't know if you, you knew, but it was three and a half hours long. So it was a, it was a marathon. It was a marathon that every night, you know, the 13 of us just showed up and was like, all right, let's do this marathon together. I got you. And it really did feel like that. It was so special. Just like we all kind of settled in and we, like, you know, muscled up and we jumped in together. And, you know, it was, it was not an easy show, you know, very physically demanding, very intricate score, demanded a lot of focus in terms of, you know, your body, your voice. And that ensemble just, we we, we held each other. We held each other for that show. Yeah, I mean, each one was just so so spectacular and lovely and I'm so grateful for all those experiences in in their own, you know, in their own special ways. But as I'm speaking, what I'm noticing is that for me, the most special thing is the company, the ensemble, the unity, uh, you know, within this group of people. And I feel like For the most part, everybody really recognizes their responsibility to the show and, and yeah, knows the magic that they bring and knows how important it is to just like devote yourself. Whether it's 90 minutes, two hours, three and a half hours, like this is a time where you devote yourself to the, um, the magic of whatever this thing is you're putting on. And that for me, I think is the most precious special thing about making
2: theater. That was so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So then my last two questions. Kind of the biggest yeah. questions, because you yeah. know and I ask them to every guest. So the first is yeah. as an artist, what do you think is either the biggest lesson that you've learned from being in this business or maybe one that is the most important to you? I think
1: it's a continuation of 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 you know the the importance of the ensemble, you know, it's, it's never about you, you know, even if you're doing a one person show, you are a member of a company. You have your stage manager, you have your director, you have your writer, you have the designers. Everybody is working together in unity to put on this piece. And sometimes you can really feel alone because you audition alone or whatever. And you can feel like you're being scrutinized for like, you know what you're bringing to the table, and of course, what you bring to the table is so important. But I think doubly so is the is the emotional health, the emotional well-being, and the happiness of of the entire company. And when your entire company is is synthesizing and is and is 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 in it, and everyone's connected, like that is the where the truest magic lies. It's never about like my one performance or like I did so great that night or you know I sounded killer during that line this evening. Like all those things can be true, but I think the most important part of being an artist is what you bring to the table and it's also the table (laughs) to everybody else And, and figuring out how you can always support your fellow artists people next to you, the people next to you on stage, the people, you know, supporting you backstage, in the booth, in the dressing room, you're all one unit, and that's the most, um, I think, important quality of putting on a show, it's like how everybody works together.
2: Oh, for sure, for sure. The last question, because, you know, I started this podcast as an excuse to talk to people who inspire me. So I'd love to know yeah. who inspires you.
1: Yeah. Oh, right now it's Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I I am I am thinking about Stacey Abrams every every 15-minute increment. I am saying a uh, prayer of gratitude and thanks for Stacey Abrams. And I I feel like, you know, activists and, and people like her inspire me nonstop. Because I feel like, you know, making theater and making art is just one piece of, like, the world as a whole. And ultimately, we need to take care of, just like we take care of each other in the rehearsal room and on stage and in the production meetings, we need to take care of each other and recognize that we are part of a bigger group of people than just... The people who live with us, who are in our network, or or whatever, we are a part of of society. And when I see people like Stacey Abrams just dedicate themselves to improving um, how our society works and how our society runs and who has access to various opportunities, those people make me make me understand like just how how much there is to fight for, and and what are the things that I want to fight for. I just feel, especially in these, you know, really <laughs> crucial days um, in which we're very lucky, very, very lucky to see the fruits of her labor realized. I'm reminded that um, I got a fighting too.
2: Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kim, I mean, I want to be best friends with Kim now. She's the best I was. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much
1: for
2: coming on the podcast today thank
1: you for having me it was such a joy to meet you and and to hear a little bit about your life as an artist um i feel 100% that you're gonna do fiddler on the roof a zillion times
2: <laughs> we gotta manifest this somehow because it just keeps coming back around uh yeah so, i'm putting it out there universe you heard it kim said i need to be in fiddler um so, <laughs> Kim, if you could let everyone know where they could find you on social media, just, you know, so they could oh, sure. follow you. Yeah, on
1: Instagram, I'm at K blank, B L A N C K. And on Twitter, I'm at Kimsum, like dim sum, but with
2: my name. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Yeah, we'll link those um, in the description. And then, Kim, any kind of final thoughts, things to plug, anything you want to just put out into the universe other than me being into the
1: universe. Listen, this is a really intense, bizarre, strange time. And I hope everyone out there is, is, is using this time to like seek out all different kinds of joy and happiness. And if your life is turned upside down right now, due to this, you know, the staggering disorganization of our current leadership, I hope that I hope that you're using this time to just like yeah, seek out some new things that you enjoy um, in whatever ways you can find some magic in the disruption of, of our lives.
2: Absolutely. Well Kim, thank you yeah. so much for coming on so much. Thank fun. you! It was such a joy!
1: Thanks for having me.
2: And everyone else, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.
0: Winter blues in autumn light Afternoons one summer
2: wide Fading blue
0: through the night Roses linger with the sigh.